everybody. So before I give the trigger and explicit content warnings for this episode, I think it's important to give a little bit of context in that this is a special episode that I reached out to Danny to record because I was pretty pissed off. So you can only imagine what you're about to hear. With that in mind, I use a fair bit of explicit language. You have been warned. And additionally, this episode talks about domestic abuse, talks about potential sexual abuse, talks about issues related to transphobia, uh, LGBTQ plus uh, divisive rhetoric and hatred. We're talking about JK Rowling, y'all. So be prepared if this is an episode that you want to listen to, but might have uh, might have some some complications of hearing. And if you don't want to hear any of that, then just skip the episode and, you know, we'll see you next time. No, there, there, there's no shame in that. So, um, Thief, you have been warned. Beware. Today, we are here with Heated and Khakis. Look, this is a bad metaphor because the song itself is deeply erotic. And nothing about me right now. Oh, I think I'm decently erotic, but I'm kind of like Celestina's cauldron of hot, strong love in the sense that I've been bubbling for a while and somebody, and by somebody, I just mean the general community has played its cards just right over the past week or two. And my cauldron full of hot, strong love is ready to be unfurled upon the listeners. So Y'all know, because we joke about it, but it's not really a joke, that Danny does all the hard work for these things. And I kind of just show up when she tells me and I say random shit. We hit and record and she publishes. This is this is straight from my mind grapes. I've got a lot of things I want to say about the fandom community as of late. And I don't really know where it's going to end. And it's not my intent to torch anyone specifically. This is not like an indictment of any particular people. As we're going to get into, there's there's been a lot of talk about the fandom community in recent weeks. And as a co-host of this podcast, I figured what better place to share my unhinged ramblings than creating magic. You're very intense right now. I, well, I, I've got, <laughs> I know I've it's got understandable, but usually when we, and this is just like a note to listeners that usually when we podcast, you're very relaxed and just kind of like do your thing. But through that whole thing, you stirred directly into the camera. Like you were watching every single person. Well, so let's start. Let, let, let's let's start with the first thing on my mind, which I think is a less controversial. B mostly done in jest, but C still an important thing I think to talk about. So, Lord knows we don't need to talk much more about 
the now former president of the United States, Donald Trump, then is merited because I certainly don't want to. But one of the things I saw going around on Twitter and Instagram and social media kind of writ large over the course of the last week, particularly around Inauguration Day for President Joe Biden, was this idea that we should give Donald Trump the he who must not be named treatment and that we should just not say his name anymore. We should just pretend he didn't exist and all this stuff. And I know most of it was done in jest. And I know that this community loves more than anything to try to foist the, the metaphorical lessons, the symbolism and the imagery of Harry Potter onto everyday life and onto socioeconomic political situations and events. But let's just be real damn clear about something. In Sorcerer Stone, Philosopher Stone, when Harry is struggling with saying Voldemort, and he must not be named and all that. And Harry's seen the reactions of Hagrid and everybody about saying Voldemort. Dumbledore says to Harry, call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. And so a lot of people on social media have been saying, oh, we should, you know, call Trump, you must not be named, give him the Voldemort treatment. And again, I know it's done in jest, but you're misapplying the lesson. I am so fine never mentioning Donald Trump again after we get done recording this podcast. As far as I'm concerned, I hope I never have to think about him or have anything from his deluded mind impact my life for the rest of his days and the rest of my days. But let's just be clear about something. The whole he who must not be named thing in the books, in the canonical Harry Potter, was born out of people being so afraid of Voldemort that they couldn't even use his name. And that's not the lesson I think we should be applying to this bizarrely tanned, hair-coiffed idiot down at Mar-a-Lago. We shouldn't be scared of him. We should be thankful he's gone. We should never want to talk about him again. But it's a whole different... Again, the end result is the same. I'm fine not using his name. I'm fine not talking about him. But we're, again, it's in jest. I know that. But we're misapplying the lesson of Harry Potter into this situation as the world is so wont to do with Harry Potter so many times. I agree. I feel like a lot of times when you're so invested in the Harry Potter books, you want to find ways to associate what's happening in the real life to things that are happening in the book and correlate people with other characters. Cause it's not the first time this has happened. Plus like if any character in American political life is Voldemort, it's us Senator Rick Scott who literally looks like Voldemort and is pretty fucking draconian with a lot of his policies. So if we're really trying to pull the, the comedic metaphorical rhetoric from Harry Potter into American political life, go do yourself the unfortunate pleasure of Google imaging Rick Scott, homeboy's Voldemort. It's scary. It's pretty like. If you, you know, if you were to tape his nose down the way they do Ray Fiennes' in the movies, he's kind of the Dark Lord. 
I don't know. Look, I know, again, I, I, I've said it like 15 times already. I know that most people are just saying it in jest. But like, low key, I think this is why a lot of people get pissed with Harry Potter fans, because we always try to uh, impart the wizarding world into everyday American kind of like culture and political stuff. And like, if we're going to do it, we should do it right. Rather than even again, even if it's just kind of like a jokey one-off doing it incorrectly, just my thoughts. I agree. Let me ask you first before I just really jump the shark. I know that you have seen, but for the listeners, I will rehash an article came out today I believe it was through the Hollywood Reporter. Yes. Um, that, At least that's who I saw first reported it. Yeah. So the article for those today is Monday, January 25th. Um, there have been lots of rumors over the years about some form of a, I'll, I'll use the word revival of Harry Potter. That word is not the proper, like the best word necessarily in you know, I think at times, of course, there were talks of bringing Harry Potter to the stage. And then we did get that and we got Cursed Child, um, which is kind of a pseudo continuation of the canon. And it's not necessarily with like, it doesn't take place within the the uh, kind of time realm of the actual series, right? It takes place at like all that stuff, right? You, y'all, y'all, y'all know the plot. Um, but there's been lots of talk over the years, especially as... Uh, Star Wars has expanded its canon, especially as uh, you've seen things like Ender's Game come to the big screen, as you've seen Fantastic Beasts be developed, right? There's been lots of talk about Harry Potter coming back in some way, shape, or form. Also, because we're in this generation of revival of things, like Lord of the Rings is getting a re-imaging through Amazon with a series, so like things are being recreated that aren't like super old. Yeah. Well, and then, and of course, I, I guess I'm not sure how my mind skipped over this. Of course, a song of ice and fire game of Thrones, right. Which is a book series that, well, I mean, I know there was one released in like 2011, 2013 or whatever, and he's still technically writing them, but you know, the series dates back to what, like the eighties. You were probably like, you know, a teenager back when the first book came out, right, Danny? I'm going to look up when the book came out because I anywho, the, would not was definitely not. Anywho, I know that there's been a lot of talk about Harry Potter coming back, especially with the success of Game of Thrones, which is a book series that, with some notable exceptions being the final season, uh, was successfully converted into a long-form dramatic TV series, and it was done very, very well. There's been a lot of rumors. The, the, the shortest summary of that longest ramble I just had. There's been a lot of rumors. And The Hollywood Reporter, which is a very reputable kind of entertainment industry publication, reported today that a Harry Potter series is in the works through HBO, Warner Media, the new conglomerate that is somewhere in entities Warner Brothers. Um. They came out in the article. I want to just be clear. The article is largely clickbait. In the article, HBO gave a response saying there is, and I'm not quoting it directly. I don't have it in front of me. I apologize. But along the lines of there is no series actively in development at this time. That's not to say they're not thinking about it. They very, very well could be. And frankly, given all of the updates with Star Wars and Disney, 
I think it'd be corporate like kind of malpractice if they weren't thinking about it. However, I do want to read, because I do have this part at least clipped, part of the article from The Hollywood Reporter. And that's going to kind of jump into why I'm so irked right now. And I'm quoting here. Expanding the world of Harry Potter remains a top priority for HBO Max and Warner Brothers, which along with creator J.K. Rowling controls rights to the property. Harry Potter is also one of Warner's most valuable pieces of IP, intellectual property for those who don't know what IP means. It's also worth pointing out that while Harry Potter remains a beloved franchise, Rowling sparked backlash from the trans community after saying that transgender individuals should be defined by their biological sex. End quote. So here's the thing. When, so first I'm going to go off on the wording of this article a little bit, and then we can talk more about the implications for the series and how we feel about a potential series and all that. When you write that rolling sparked backlash from the trans community. Yes, it is true that many members who identify as part of the trans community were angry, upset, disappointed, outraged, insert adverb here, right? That is true. But generally speaking, kind of in in culture and society, that phrasing almost diminishes what the reality was. When you say, you know, that a group was hurt by the words someone else said about that group, it's largely interpreted as, oh, they were the only ones hurt by it. No one else really said anything. It was kind of just, you know, they felt aggrieved and that was really that. Let's be clear about what happened. If y'all want to rehash this, go back and listen to our Creating Magic episodes from this summer when we interviewed Katie, Russell, and Maz, when we talked with Griselda, Aiden, and Zach, you know, when we brought on the Master for Magical Minorities, Ellie, Mana, Gerald, Trey, and Karina, like, I'm not a member of the trans community. I'd like to think that I'm an ally, but I'm not a member of the trans community. I was fucking outraged by what she said. I still am outraged by what she said. I still spend every day, not like obsessively, mind you, but I still spend every day at some way, shape, or form considering my engagement with this series and this story. And if I remain in some way, shape, or form complicit in her success and and her words by continuing to support the series in the way that I do. So like saying, you know, rolling face backlash from the trans community really minimizes A, I think her words and her rhetoric, but B, the, the value of the impact of and the commitment of the community writ large, not just the trans kind of faction within the community who really felt hurt by what she said. It's almost like they just threw it because also where it's placed and how the article is worded, it's almost like, oh, disclaimer, this happened, made some people mad, let's go on. I think it's it's great of them to caveat anything about Harry Potter by saying, oh, yeah, by the way, remember, like, J.K. Rowling has said some shit, but they just, they minimized the entire thing 
by A, making it a throwaway line and B, just saying that members of the trans community were the ones who provided said backlash. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trans. It's not necessarily for me to stand up and say that words hurt the trans community because like, I'm not tra- I can't speak to their experience. But it's super goddamn important for me as a human who has thoughts and values and morals to stand up and say, hey, I agree. That was really goddamn wrong what she said. The values that she espouses are not ones that I hold true or that I agree with or that I stand for. And I'm going to use whatever platform I have, be it my mediocre Instagram or this tiny fucking podcast, to speak out for what I believe in. So that that was the first thing that irked me was the wording in the Hollywood Reporter article. Because I originally just didn't read it. Because again, if you're part of this fan community, usually about like once a month over the past couple of years, there's some article somewhere claiming that a new series is being contemplated. Or that Dan Radcliffe one time in 2013 said he wouldn't say no to returning to the role. And somehow that's news again. Um, so that bothered me. Um, but that leads, I guess, again, I don't... If... Uh, <laughs> Do I believe that somewhere at HBO Max and Warner Media, people are discussing at any time over the past couple of years bringing back Harry Potter? Yes, absolutely. It's a massive intellectual property. It costs them a ton of money. And again, if you're seeing what Disney's done with Star Wars, um, the you know the finance operations at Warner Media, you know, their eyes must be popping out of their head. Well, so I think it's like a no risk thing. Well, mm, like it's a no risk. Right? But like, it's where it has a built-in fandom. And even with what she said, it's not like you're creating a new thing where you have to draw new fans because no matter what, people will go. Sure. So, so I, I, I agree. I, I probably wouldn't use your wording because I think there's a lot of fucking risk. But if what you're saying is that it's, you know, you're going to have a sizable audience for the content. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean by no yeah. risk. Like, yes, there's a lot of risk, but when you come down to it, if you create it, it's going to make you money. Yeah. I think, and I don't want to mix kind of examples or metaphors here too much because they're both their own deeply serious topics and I, I don't want to make light of either. But I think there's potential for there to be backlash with any potential new series of Potter, like there's been, no matter which side of the argument you're on, with Johnny Depp and the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Because Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, The Wizarding World, decided to cast Depp despite being very much aware of the legal issues and the, the public perception and, you know, the, the, the optics of hiring somebody who was going through at a, a legal proceeding involving domestic abuse and, and, and all, all, all that he was going through. They then chose to stick with him for the first two movies. And it was only after he was found guilty in a court of law in London of 
I think it was 12 of the 14 cases against him were deemed credible enough to where he did not have a case for libel. Right. So important to say he was not being accused in a criminal court. He was trying to he was filing in a civil court about a case of libel. Right. But the judge in London said that of the 14 instances he brought that were brought up against him in terms of him reportedly abusing Amber Heard, 12 of the 14 were deemed credible enough to where the newspaper wasn't committing libel for publishing, calling him like a wife beater and all that. Right. So then the fandom kind of splits at this point once Johnny Depp gets dropped because you have a faction of people who believe Johnny Depp was the best acting talent within a struggling movie franchise and that he portrayed Gellert Grindelwald very well and that the fandom and the movies are going to suffer without him. Then you have a side of the fandom that says, hey, he, you know, is, was found guilty. He, he is somebody who, who was found guilty in a court of law of likely being, of likely having committed domestic abuse. I don't want someone who is a, who, who now is credibly found to have committed domestic abuse involved in this franchise. It's, it's troublesome for me. It brings up you know, unpleasant memories, it triggers trauma for me, whatever it might be, right? So like the fandom is very much split at that point. And I think regardless of how good or bad from just strictly a movie standpoint, the remaining movies in that franchise are, like that's forever gonna be a massive headache that was brought to Warner Brothers doorstep entirely of their own making. It was, and the hard thing is with people who say, well, He's what's made these movies. He wasn't in the first movie except for like 30 seconds. And that was the possibly the better one of the two. It's a hard bar to, yeah, there's a lot of issues in those movies, but he really wasn't even in the first one. So you can't say he, like, if that's the argument, there's a bigger problem. And like, I want to give my personal opinion here. Cause like, I, I just tried I don't want to go so far as to say eloquently because I don't think that was that eloquent, but I just tried to articulate as objectively as I can the, the binary oppositional sides of the argument there. But let me tell you how I feel. I feel that Johnny Depp was incredible as Gallagher Grindelwald. I thought he was incredibly strong. I thought he was compelling. I thought he was haunting. I thought he was all the things you want in this, in this bone chilling evil character. I also think that regardless of what happens in kind of the appeals process and regardless of what I think about kind of the inconsistencies and incongruities that that are out there with his story versus Amber Heard's story and all that stuff, regardless of all of that, a judge in London, England, like one of the leading countries in terms of uh, democratic process and civil law and all that, right? Like one of the leading societies in the world, their legal system, their judicial system said that the accusations against him were credible enough to be printed in a newspaper, right? In layman's terms, you know, allegations of him committing domestic abuse aren't liable, right? So at that point, you have to separatize him. He can be the best actor and also be someone who you can't continue to cast in the franchise, right? And look, 
very may well come out that, you know, he's able to win on appeal that, and that all this, you know, like that to really simplify it in a way that's not legally whatsoever, that Amber Heard kind of ruined Johnny Depp's career. That could very may well end up happening. But Warner Brothers backed themselves into a corner in this one because they hired him knowing the issues. They stood by him in the beginning. And then only after he was found guilty did they cut the, did they sever ties, right? So like they kind of, so anywho, I, I, <laughs> I bring this up to say that I think you run the risk of bringing up a similar, although of course a very different example type of headache by continuing to promote content and actively produce content that has J.K. Rowling's name attached to it. Because, and this is one of the things that I think I was really proud of the fan community for saying over the course of the summer of 2020 in the wake of both the, the protests uh, against police brutality and racial injustice in America, but then more largely speaking out against J.K. Rowling is... J.K. Rowling's stories, for the most part, are ones of the power of communal love, the power of boundless love, and the power of acceptance and inclusion. And the irony that someone who wrote all those stories armed us as a community to stand up against the exact type of exclusionary bigotry and and transphobia that she seems to so fervently espouse and believe like that's not lost on me. And so I think that's the pro- like that's kind of the inherent problem, right? Like the Harry Potter fan community that generalize a little a little bit, but I think is largely true is very much socially engaged and socially aware. Because the Harry Potter fan community kind of again, I don't I'm not sitting in front of any data mind you, but my experience with the fan community is it's largely people who grew up reading her stories as impressionable children and then took those lessons and applied them to their lives as adults and very much like hold those values of inclusion and boundless love and, and community to be very close to her. So the result of that is a lot of us tend to be, if not socially and politically and morally active, we have a very strong kind of sense of engagement when it comes to issues of social, political, moral, right or wrong, right? So I think you're right. There's always going to be a fan base for new Harry Potter content, Danny. You're 100% right. But the fandom is so engaged and involved that at best, people are going to have mixed feelings about continuing to engage with it. At worst, kind of like you saw with the Ender's Game movie that was released in what was that, 2014, 2015, fans are going to protest and fans are going to boycott, right? And I actually think Orson Scott Card is a really good example to talk about. And I won't say who, because I didn't ask their permission, but someone we know used Orson Scott Card and Ender's Game as kind of a counterpoint example when I was talking about this in a different form earlier. And so, you know, for those who don't know, you know, Orson Scott Card has a long history of, homophobia and and hateful rhetoric about um, about gay couples and and gay marriage and and all of that um, and I think the difference for me is Orson Scott Card at least to my knowledge 
is not producing new content that he's directly profiting off of. Certainly, you can still go and buy Ender's Game or Speaker for the Dead or any of his books now, but he's not like there's not like a new Ender's Game movie that's coming out tomorrow, right? So people did protest. You can look it up. People protested when Ender's Game came out back in 2015 or whatever, right? And there was definitely a large communal reaction to seeing a movie that money went into the pockets of somebody who was so blatantly homophobic. And I think that's kind of what you're setting yourself up for here with any new Harry Potter series is people are going to engage with it, but people are going to speak up. And when you're, I'm just scrambling beyond belief at this point, but when you're a company, when you're a corporation in 2021, in this modern era, thanks largely to the bravery and the moral courage and fortitude and passion of a lot of women across this country and across the globe, there's a much higher intense sense of scrutiny on corporations and how corporations interact with social issues. There just is, right? Thanks to the Me Too movement, thanks to so many brave women, the media is finally taking a much harsher look and a much, and I say harsher and I don't mean that in a negative way, like they need to, right? So yes, any potential Harry Potter series is going to make a profit for Warner Media, for HBO Max, right? I personally, you know, if I could just forget about JKR, as you and I have talked about off mic, there are so many incredible plot ideas I would love to see born out, like so many. But, you know, there's there's an inherent risk, you know, beyond just the financials to actively introducing and promoting new content that is directly tied to this incredibly divisive, controversial figure. I mean, the article released today, and I've already seen a lot of comments on the subject of what she said and if people were going to or willing to consume new material. Yeah, it's like I said, I think at the top of this rant, I don't really remember at this point, but I spend... You know, every day, at least once a day, I think about, hmm, what am I doing here? Right? Like, it, it, you can even look on my Instagram at Muggle and Khakis, and this is not a plug to go follow me. This is a plug to go see that I actively think about this. I want to say early January, maybe it was late December 2020. I forget exactly when. Right? I was going to take a photo of one of the books on my bookshelf. And like, as I was taking the photo, I quite literally was looking at my camera screen, and like, I saw the author's name, J.K. Rowling, just right there on the front of the book. It's her book. She's the author. Of course it's there. But I, that, 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 you know, seeing it and recognizing it made me actively think about, huh, you know, as I post these photos, as I post this content, I'm in some way, shape or form, I'm complicit in promoting JK Rowling. Of course I, you know, and, and I said it, you know, you can read the caption on the post. I talk about kind of, you know, how I felt about that and kind of where I kind of, you know, I think the important point where I'm trying to get to is everybody has to make their own choice of what their red line in the sand is in terms of how they're going to engage with the fandom moving on. Right. Again, we talked about it before on a, the episode with Haley and Michael, 
a great article, I believe from the mission, uh, the Michigan dailies, I think is what it was called. Um, all about a non-binary person's kind of thoughts and feelings around the series now relative to how they felt about it growing up. There is, in my opinion, no wrong way to, to continue to engage with the series so long as you acknowledge the fact that J.K. Rowling has said divisive, transphobic things. If you continue to watch all the movies, read all the books, go to the parks, buy merchandise, watch any new content that comes out, great. But in my opinion, you can't do that without acknowledging the fact that she has hurt so many people as part of this community. Right? If you never want to do anything Harry Potter related again, which to that end, why are you listening to this podcast? But I'm fine. I like the subscriptions. Keep subscribing. That's fine too. That's, that's, I hurt for you because I can only imagine how hurtful you, how, how hurt you must feel to the point where this series that we've all loved that really shaped a lot of our upbringings can't be part of your life anymore. Right. There's no, there is no wrong answer for how people continue to engage with this series. I'm not going to begrudge anybody who watches a potential new series through Warner Media who buys the new 20th anniversary edition, you know, Half-Blood Prince or Deathly Hallows. That's fine, right? But, you know, I think you have to call out what's right there in front of you, cut and dry, which is scientists, doctors, humans with a moral conscience have all come out and said, J.K. Rowling's views are at best misinformed and at worst deeply transphobic and hurtful. Yeah. I used, I'm not sure how I got to this point, but. I think everyone just kind of, you need to look at it individually and figure out like, we can't tell you which path to take if you're going to stay involved or not stay involved. And then, yeah, and- Sorry, go ahead. No, I've talked okay. for like 90 minutes of however long this has gone. No, it's just, it's going to be an individual thing, but it is going to come up and it is going to, it already has started. There's going to be a lot of arguments around it and each person needs to decide on their own where they're going to stand with that and how they're going to participate in the conversation. And look, I think there will likely be an episode at some point in the future of this podcast where we eagerly and enthusiastically discuss all the various ideas we can come up with for a potential series that we'd like to see. Because I think that's a super fun thought exercise. You know, given that we as a fandom have spent at this point, you know, 20 years, 21 years, I guess, at this point, engaging with the series intellectually, you know, rhetorically from a creative imaginative standpoint in some way, shape or form. And given that we haven't had any new content since, um, you know, July of 2011, we've spent a lot of time collectively thinking about plot lines. We'd like to see stories. We'd like to be told things that were left out of the movies, little characters like Florian Fortescue, right? 
he was obviously primed to have a much larger part in the books. And then she kind of wrote him out a little bit and he not really doesn't get anything in the movies. But point is there's so many characters or storylines or things like that. I would love to talk about, and we will talk about, right. We'll, we'll do a whole theorizing podcast or podcast at some point. Today's not that time, but the point is before we even think about doing an episode like that, I needed just to get some stuff off my chest because yeah, I just did. And if you didn't agree with or love anything I had to say, I'm not sorry, but I hope that you can come back for the next episode and enjoy whatever hijinks I get into with my, with my, yeah, bizarre questions and even more bizarre answers. And we're not going to end that conversation. We will keep having that conversation. And for people that want to talk about it and that are affected by what she said, let us know if you want to come on the podcast. Like we have this platform and we want to talk with you and hear your stories. And if you have a different opinion than the one, the ones that we just talked through, we want to hear that too. This is not an echo chamber where it's, you know, kind of group think only. I'm not going to let you on the podcast. If you believe that JK Rowling is not transphobic, let's be clear about that. But if you have a different kind of thought process and perspective on a potential new series on fantastic beasts and all the controversy there on how to engage with the fandom as a whole in, in a world where we all can agree that JK Rowling is transphobic and divisive by all means. Like this is not one of those situations where Steven has a correct opinion. I know we joke about that all the time and look, Michael Gambon, I kind of forgot his name is the worst Dumbledore. We can all like, that's a, that's a correct opinion. But this is not one of those times, you know, I I know that my role on this podcast is largely to be kind of the whimsical idiot. And I like to think I do that pretty well, but this is the real me, right? So for, for people out there who think they know me really well, because they hear me on the podcast, I love that you feel that way. I'm not trying to diminish those feelings. But I largely come on this podcast and put on a, an enhanced persona of a part of who I am, right? This is so much closer to my core than any of the 50 plus episodes that we've done. Um, I will always have respect for and time for an opinion that's backed up by thoughtful consideration, right? I, you know, again, we have to start from the premise of J.K. Rowling is divisive, transphobic, hurtful, controversial, you know, insert kind of progressive adverbs here. But from that point, anything's fair game for me. Blanket statement. Happy to have you on. I promise I won't be as intense in front of the camera as I am with Danny right now, but we'll, we'll, we'll do the damn thing. Yeah. Just reach out. You can contact us through all the normal ways, but we want to hear other people's opinions, thoughts, and your perspective if you are specifically part of the community and was affected by it. Yeah, and you know, again, I don't want to 
tokenize or kind of put on the proverbial spot or put on a pedestal any of our past guests. But if you want to hear a conversation directly kind of in the wake of J.K. Rowling's comments this past summer, you know, we did an incredible episode with Katie, Russell, and Maz that, you know, I, I, I think accurately represents the type of approach we have to intellectual conversation. Right. Well, again, we'll we'll do all the funny Harry Potter bullshit all day long. And I'll tell you why you're wrong about your opinions about favorite book, favorite movie. But when it comes to real issues that that actually matter. I'm still going to look like a dumbass, but I promise you I'm going to act and sound like a thoughtful, open to conversation, open to differing opinion person. Agreed. But if you don't fucking follow me at, on Instagram at Muggle and Khakis and at the pin pod, um, sorry, you're not getting on the goddamn podcast. There's not straight up. Like this is not pay to play, but it certainly is follow to play. He doesn't verify if you follow him. It's okay. It says who? I'm the one that schedules everything. You, do you know my sister unfollowed my personal Instagram? <laughs> like my biological only sister unfollowed my regular account. <laughs> Like what? I'm pretty sure she blocked me at one point too. Cause what'd you like, do to upset her? That's a whole nother conversation that we don't got to have here. But like, cause I didn't unfollow her. Like I wouldn't do that, but I'm no longer following her, but I can see her profile. Which means that she blocked me and unblocked me because I've had enough ex I've had enough ex girlfriends to know how to block unblock and what it looks like on Instagram, right? I'm pretty sure my kid sister blocked me and then unblocked me. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not sure what uh, Instagram verifying. Shout That's out right. to Allie. Ugh, no, no, no shout out, no <laughs> shout out until she she follows me back. <laughs> 